Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in. Hour number two, Thursday edition, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. We know that a lot of you out there all over the country, hey, maybe you're starting your July 4th celebration a little bit early. Monday and Tuesday, a lot of people not going to be working. Maybe you are gearing up for a trip. If that is you, why not go ahead and do a couple of things? Download the iHeartRadio app. You can take this show with you anywhere, no matter where you are around the world. Same thing could be true. Hey, search out Clay Travis, Buck Sexton. Go sign up for the podcast. Tens, what are we, like 20 million or something uh, downloads a month coming in the uh, Clay and Buck podcast if you want to make sure that you can take this show anywhere with you as well as get a lot of unique podcast uh opportunities that aren't found elsewhere we're building out a great podcast network involving other people it is absolutely fantastic i encourage all of you uh to get out there um and make sure that you do both those things okay buck uh we're continuing to talk by the way about uh, the decision from the supreme court just about three hours ago to end the affirmative action the use of race as part of college and university admissions Having really interesting conversations there, 800-282-2882. We've also discussed legacy admissions, the meritocracy in general. How do the schools actually do at educating people? In other words, how much of your success in life is attributable to where you went? Would you agree with that, Buck, that that, you don't have kids yet? But I think the number one sales pitch of a university is, and tell me if you agree or disagree with this idea, the university sells the idea that if you come here, you will be more efficient and more successful in life than you would be if you didn't. And the more elite the university is, the more they sell the idea that your future life will be more successful as a function of the four years that you would have spent in undergrad institution there. That's basically the essence of why you would be willing to pay seventy-five or $80,000 a year to go to these schools, right? Yeah, and, in, and in, I think... A vast majority of cases of the of these different schools, it, it's just not true. If you're a hardworking, industrious, smart person, you'll do well wherever it is that you go. 
They used to be real door openers. You know, there's like on campus recruiting and, and if, if you went to the right school, I mean, I can tell you my, in my, I don't know if you had a different experience. Nobody ever cared where I went to school. The alumni network never lifted a finger for me. I remember I, I was encouraged by my, uh, we had kind of a, you know, career guidance counselor, um, and encouraged to write letters to alumni in different industries I was interested in, like actual old school, write a letter like, Hey, I didn't even get a response. I think I wrote 10 yeah. letters. Like no one even responded, which was good. It, I realized like, okay, so that was all a scam. There's no alumni network that's going to help me or whatever, but it's all right. I wanted to go work the CIA anyway. So it didn't really make much difference to me. Um, but at the time I, I saw this a lot and, and I think that, uh, you know, Clay, the, the value of these degrees is going down because ultimately this is an arms race. Ultimately, this is inherently competitive, which gets lost in this conversation. You know, Harvard talks about, oh, we need like holistic and the, the benefits of diversity. People go to Harvard because 95% of the people who apply to Harvard don't get in. Yeah. So they're very happy to tell a lot of, they're very happy to crush a lot of people's dreams. And as we saw in this case, a lot of like, Asian kids who are geniuses dreams, very happy to tell them you don't get to go to Harvard because we think that there's something more important than the excellence you've shown academically. The whole thing is premised on how hard is it to get in because then that becomes how valuable is this in the marketplace, the job marketplace when you graduate and what does this mean? The the value of a Yale, why won't Yale ever change its name? Yale is named for a slave trader, everybody. Yale will never, ever ever change its name as a university because you go there so that when you're at a cocktail party or a job interview you go well as a yale man and everyone goes ooh. but here's my point i don't think everyone goes ooh anymore i yeah. think that people less and less think that this stuff really even matters clay i got into ivy league business uh mba programs i didn't do it i went to work for glenn instead so i sit here as somebody who went through this right now you could say well i went to undergrad yeah but what i realized was that I know plenty of people that get these MBAs because they think, oh, it's going to open all these doors and be amazing. Maybe. It's all very situational. It's not some golden ticket to this amazing future. And that's, to to your point, what the promise is for all these kids is if you get in, it's going to be such an easier life for you. No, for a lot of people going to the, you know, sometimes it's better to be on the, on the, uh, you know, the, the other team, the practice team, so you can get better and better. And then, you know, life is a long game. I, I just feel like people need to stop yeah. thinking that. It's interesting, Buck. GW was probably the worst school that I got into, but they gave me an academic scholarship. And there are a lot of kids out there right now who, let's say you live in Georgia. The University of Georgia has an incredible honors college. You might get into Emory. You might get into Vanderbilt. You might get into Duke. I bet the education that you're going to get in the Honors College at Georgia is every bit as good. You asked a good question. You said, hey, I don't think that I got a single benefit from going to George Washington University. I I, I mean, and I'm not trying to take a shot at GW. It's a great school in D.C. If your kids just got in and you're like, I'm it's, so excited. In the Northeast, I'll tell you, it's considered a, like a rich kid school. So because well, it was it the most cert- expensive school is- in the country and. It you know, is certainly it's, a super rich kid school. And those rich kids help pay for my scholarship. So I thank them for that, yeah. right? That's They charge a lot. Uh, but uh, D.C. is a fabulous place to go. All these things. I will say grad school. Vanderbilt University Law School. I do think, in my experience, where you go to law school, the alumni networks are very helpful in getting you those initial jobs when you come out of law school because they have on-campus interviews. I think Vanderbilt University Law School, I met my wife there. It's the best three years of my life I've ever spent. I can't speak highly enough about it. But 
I also think a lot of people come out of law school. They have so much debt, Buck. They have to go, you know this, your sister's in a big firm. Like, the big yeah. firm lifestyle is not conducive to people being like, this is amazing. You work 80 hours a week. You basically are chained to your desk. Much of that time is spent trying to pay off of your existing law school loans. You aren't doing, for the most part, high-level intellectual work. It's a lot of grunt work. There are worse jobs. I'm not saying it. But I do think this idea gets sold to kids um, that, that is oftentimes not reflective. And look what I did. I went into media and ended up you know, completely doing something different. Right. I mean, I was going to say, I, I remember at, at Amherst, where, where I went, um, they there was all this on-campus recruiting, and it was really pr- overwhelmingly in two fields. Because you got to remember, this is 2004, so it's pre-Great Recession, and you yeah. know, it was investment banking and management consulting. Go work for Goldman, go work for McKinsey. That was kind of, or some variation of, of, you know, those firms out there, you know, JP Morgan or whatever. And those are sweatshops out there for people who don't know what investment banking jobs are for young kids. They well, are we'll brutal. See, well, see, this is what I was going to tell everybody. Of the people I knew who did that, um, uh, and, and a lot of my, my, uh, graduating class went to those places. Almost none of them stayed in those fields. Yeah. Almost none of them. I mean, at this point, I mean, one out of, one out of 20, one out of 30 maybe are still working. And, and I mean, I'm not just talking about at that firm. I mean, in that business, I yeah. had a friend who got out, went into finance and he opened, he, he got into the restaurant business. I had another friend who got out, went into finance and then he went. So now people will argue. They'll say, well, it's a huge benefit to your resume to go to one of those fancy places. It helps you go other places. But the point is that this, this, uh, the, the way that, career fields work now you and i are both examples of this in 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 sort of both different and similar respects is that you you figure out which where you have opportunity where you want to be what you think you're good at and you move and maneuver the spend 30 years at the company and be a company man and retire and that's that's just much less common these days anyway so that 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 whole notion is i think is changing very rapidly um and you know i think that's a good thing Yeah, let me say this, too. This is a good email I just got from one of our listeners, Carl. He said, I have to disagree with your statement that a university degree doesn't matter after your first job. I'm 60 years old, and my association and degrees from Texas A&M help me regularly in my business. Otherwise, you and Buck have a great show. It's a good point I should bring up. I do think, Buck, you were mentioning athletics <laughs> I like, earlier. I like, though, otherwise good show. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah. I'll take it. Okay. You're totally wrong, on which I respect. You're totally wrong on this. I will say... If you have a strong association with your alumni group, and sometimes that can be, hey, we are all monster fans of, and I bet this guy is a big Texas A&M fighting Aggie fan, and you go back to games all the time, and your network is very much connected in that way, that can have a long-term impact in a super positive way um, where it's not necessarily, though, the degree it's basically the fraternity and relationships that you have with all of these people. And if you are a diehard fan of a sports team, it is true that you may look at some of those initial applications when they come in and be like, oh, this person went to my favorite school, and you may be more likely to respond to it. I don't think anybody ever saw me go to GW and was like, oh, i got to give this kid a job. Now I went straight to law school. Again, I'm not trying to take a shot at GW because I don't want somebody. Inevitably, people that are out there, Buck, right now, they're like, you know, little Susie or little Johnny just graduated from high school and the family's ecstatic and they're going to be paying X number of dollars and everything. 
I think it's the individual. That that's my ultimate takeaway. Is, but you can also get a great education. We we live in an era with the the democratization of education and your ability to be an autodidact of a, of a really high caliber is leaps and bounds beyond what it ever used to be. I don't even think that many people know um, whether it's Khan Academy or you know there there are a whole series of. Yale. I mean, I've, I've how about our friends at Hillsdale yeah. who put out incredible programming all Thank the time you. that you can yes, go check free out. Program. I mean, it's, it, that's free. Yeah, but that's but that's what I mean. You can you have access to whole university lecture series and and their reading list if you want. Which any of you have been to university you know that's basically what college is. You go to yeah. lectures, you do some papers, you have exams, rinse, repeat. That's what it is. So it's it's all out there. You can get. An excellent, uh, you can get an excellent, excellent education at, at so many of these places. They all have the resources and the basics, um, to put it in place for you. But I, I think that people are going to be changing a lot of their, their view here that, you know, it, it, I'll tell you, growing up in New York City, Clay, it's if you didn't get into an Ivy or something similar. Oh man, everyone's like, oh, that's, that's rough. You know, Northeast a, is obsessed with school, obsessed with this stuff. Almost no it, other part is, of the country is. You know, and and everyone can point out. Well, yeah, Stanford's not an Ivy, Duke's not an Ivy, etc. Those are amazing schools uh, in terms of the you know the difficulty of getting in. But I I think that it's changed. I think the whole system has changed, and it's changed in part because of legacy admissions, athletic recruiting, affirmative action. There are reasons that people get into these schools that aren't that they're such amazing. I wouldn't even say that, you know, it's a, it's about how, it's not about how smart somebody is, but how well did they perform academically in high school? There are a lot of people who didn't perform very well academically in high school who went to these places, right? I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I think, uh, famously, Jared Kushner was like dead last in his class in high school, went to Harvard. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. I will, I will say this too, Buck. The best argument I think you can make is one that Carl kind of hit on. I think the peer group, to the extent that you pay for your peer group, being surrounded by super smart people, I think you learn more outside of college oftentimes than you do in the classroom. And certainly the relationships that you make with the classmates that you meet there ends up being the most valuable aspect, I would say, of college or law school or any graduate uh, degree that you would get. Uh, but it's just such a fascinating um such a fascinating debate and discussion, I think, in general, that's all tied in with what the Supreme Court did today. You feel the effects of inflation every day, whether you're at the gas station, supermarket, or even just buying a cup of coffee. If you're a homeowner, you're likely feeling it with every repair. We tend to pay a lot for our bills these days. Guess what we do with a credit card? That means you know, U.S. consumer debt levels are up over a trillion dollars in the last 12 months, the biggest increase in two decades. If you're a homeowner, there's a way out if you are finding yourself under some of that crippling debt load, sometimes 23, 24, 25% or more a year. They'll put together a a plan to pay off high-interest credit card debt, create meaningful savings for you every month. They're saving homeowners $1,000 a month, closing in as fast as 10 days' time. You can take advantage of this. Call American Financing. Uh, they have a salary-based mortgage consultant today, 7,000 positive Google reviews, cost you nothing to get started. And if you get started today, you could possibly delay two mortgage payments, giving you even greater savings up front. Call American Financing today. The number, 800-777-8109. That's 800 800- 
777-8109. You can also visit AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS 1823-4, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. From the front lines of truth, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. The podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Play and Buck. Uh, Hunter Biden giving a deposition and laptop lawsuit. That up on Fox. Now, we're going to continue to follow that story very closely and what's going to happen there. Joe Biden... Um, who, what was it? He said he got a scholarship and top of his class. To be fair, Jared did not graduate in the bottom of his class, but he did have a $2.5 million gift given in his name, which was probably helpful to get into Harvard. Um, gotta get the facts right here. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, um, wait, Hunter went to Yale Law School. That's the hardest law school in the country to get into everybody, just so you know. They, they accept something like 2% of the people who get in. So the elite stuff happens on on, you know, the Democrats, uh, Republicans, not as much Republicans. If you have a famous last name and you're a Democrat, you will get into I think uh, uh, didn't Cuomo, bro Cuomo, not Andrew, the other one, Chris, he got into I think he's a Yale Law grad as well because his dad was uh, Mario Cuomo, the you know well-known Democrat governor of New York. If you're if you're a Kennedy, if you're a Clinton, if you're any of these, you will yeah, get did, into did any, any school, school you want. reject Sasha or Malia Obama. 
No, they got into absolutely every school they applied. Every school they applied. But you know what? They only I bet they only applied to one, Harvard. That would be my guess. I don't even know where they went. Yeah, but, uh, it was just, it's a, if you're if you're a powerful Democrat politician, your kids, it's a safety school for them to apply to Harvard. Basically, you're good to go. You're getting in. So that, look, there's a lot of this is what I mean though. There are a lot of games. People write big checks. People have famous last names. So you start to add all this up, you realize you know you're, you're, it is supposed to be about education. It's supposed to be about learning stuff and growing as a person. The notion of this as some kind of a golden ticket to this amazing future where you make all this money. I know plenty of kids who went to Ivy League schools who didn't really amount to very much. So yeah, it's not not a guarantee not a guarantee of anything. Clay was pointing out that the uh, the president of um, Harvard uh, has already come out with a statement, and what they're going to do here is that I can already see how this is going. I think Columbia University dropped SAT requirements. Yeah, as a so they're going to drop SAT requirements. If you are not a preferred minority, you're going to have to share your SATs or else you have no chance of getting in. And if you are a preferred minority by these schools, you're going to have to write an essay about how much uh, racism and discrimination you faced. And then you'll still They've already sent an email, Buck. Uh, Harvard University said the court ruled that colleges and universities may consider in admissions decisions, quote, an applicant's discussion of how race affected his or her life be it through discrimination, inspiration, or otherwise, they will have these essays, which are default uh, the tests for who is actually a minority, right? Um, and I, I think you're right. I think the actual makeup of Harvard's class will not change one iota. Yep. It's not going to change. So the only way this will change is if somebody, and they're going to uh, really clamp down on on how people get information about about admissions uh you're just gonna have to sue these places you're gonna have to sue them a lot otherwise nothing's gonna change it might not change anyway look this could go down as the worst government power grab in history according to someone who knows dr nomi prince our financial system could soon spiral into chaos it's all thanks to a dangerous new program put forward by the biden administration forget about banning guns or gas-powered cars we could soon see a total ban on cash itself this is all thanks to the launch of a new technology called FedNow. It's an attack on our cash, but it's also an attack on your privacy and your ability to spend your money when and how you see fit. Soon, you may not be able to buy a cup of coffee without tripping an alarm at the IRS. Huge changes are coming this summer. You should get the facts so you're not caught off guard when events take a turn for the worst. Find out what you can do to prepare now at DisappearingDollar.com. Again, that's DisappearingDollar.com. Dot com. Take action today so you can prepare before this financial calamity hits. Go to disappearingdollar.com. Paid for by Rogue Economics. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Buck, one thing that I don't think we should ignore. The Supreme Court just ruled that colleges and universities can't do exactly what Joe Biden did when he took put Katanji Brown Jackson on the Supreme Court. One of the three people who said affirmative action should still be legal. You'll recall that Biden specifically made the promise as he campaigned in South Carolina in the spring of 2020 that if there were a Supreme Court vacancy, he would only appoint a black woman to the Supreme Court. In so doing, he directly eliminated 94% of the qualified applicants in the United States 
to sit on the Supreme Court. Probably higher than that, because I don't know what percentage of black women are lawyers in this country. Uh, But anyone who was a lawyer that was not a black woman was not eligible to be considered. I, theoretically, Buck, could be considered to sit on the Supreme Court, right? I was not specifically considered by Joe Biden because I'm a white guy. That would not be allowed. Probably not the only reason, but was a reason, to be fair. Yes, there are many reasons why I was not considered. But, Buck, what's interesting about this is, it, it, first of all, probably is unconstitutional what Joe Biden did. But, and this ties into me with the Supreme Court decision today. If Joe Biden had just put out, Buck, a list like Donald Trump did of 20 people that he was considering to name as a Supreme Court justice, and one of them was Ketanji Brown-Jackson, he could have come out and said, I interviewed all 20 of these people. I found Ketanji Brown-Jackson to be the most qualified. You or I might not agree with it, but at least it would have considered her in comparison with her other contenders to sit on the Supreme Court. When he said... I'm only going to take a black woman. He actually demeaned his selection before he even made it. And I I hinted at this, and we kind of mentioned it in the first hour. The data reflects that this actually becomes a major issue with affirmative action because people get into schools that they're not qualified to get into, and then they fail more often than if they had gone to a better match of a school where they would fit the overall undergraduate student body better. So... This, to me, is just fascinating because Ketanji Brown-Jackson is dissenting. At least she's being consistent. But Joe Biden's very own qualifications by which he selected his only Supreme Court justice are not actually constitutional if they were being applied beyond just colleges and universities. And that raises this question, Buck. Does this opinion actually start to call into question the entire DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion narrative that has taken over so many parts of our government and public companies. You'd have to wonder, what about government contracts that are specific to minorities? Yeah. What about privileged or or, um, specific uh, hiring of minorities by private companies? If it's illegal now, unconstitutional, to discriminate on the basis of race in college admissions, shouldn't it be unconstitutional to hire on the basis of race? I would like to see how that argument goes. I think we are going to be heading in that direction. Um, so, you know, that they, it's also interesting. I, I find that the weakest of all the defenses you hear about this stuff, the same Democrats who, you know, would, were celebrating, uh, you know, o- Obergefell as the, the greatest thing in, in history and, Whatever you think about that, Obergefell was a departure from what had been the law of the land in this country for a very long time, um, meaning a sweeping Supreme Court decision of any kind that the left likes is finally justice. A Supreme Court decision that goes against previous decisions the left doesn't like, stare decisis, the court has already ruled on the, you know, it's all so obvious and, yeah. and goes right in line with, with what we would expect. But when you really look at the precedents here, the precedents were super weak. The precedents are, we won't, you know, hopefully we won't need this in 25 years. That's not, the Constitution is not a we won't need this in 25 years document, right? Uh, the, the notion also of, of diversity as an educational benefit, what does that mean? It's a phrase that we've all been taught 
that has no actual diversity of what, how, how much, when, yeah. for how long, and what does it do? And that came up specifically in the in the majority opinion as well. How are we supposed to measure this? How can we know if we got rid of this that there won't be just as much diversity in the classroom? They have no answers to any of this. They just have, there's so much racism in America, and we want special stuff for some people. That's it. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Buck, because diversity of thought is the only diversity that matters. And implicitly, especially in an educational context, because without diversity of thought, you don't learn how to debate. You don't learn how to contemplate ideas that you may or may not agree with going forward. I've got a 15-year-old in debate camp right now. You would have loved the text that he was sending me, Buck. They're learning about modern monetary theory. And he had not experienced the idea of modern monetary theory, which is the underlying aspect of the Biden administration when they came into office. Hey, we'll just print as much debt as we want. There's no such thing as a national debt. I'm I'm uh, simplifying it. But I said, you know, this is so important because you need to understand the entire scope of left and right political arguments in order to figure out what the right side is in your opinion. You don't win in the court of intellectual opinion by only considering one side of a spectrum argument. You've got to understand the totality of it. And that's why diversity of thought is the only diversity that matters. But, Buck, implicit in the idea of diversity as a classroom justification is the idea that we're all different based on our race, which I fundamentally reject. I think that most of us have far more in common across racial lines. Um, And, by the way, we should play this. Because this is Joe Biden just had Merrick Garland, his attorney general, walk out and say questioning the rule of law. And I'm paraphrasing him is a direct assault upon democracy. That's what he said when any of us said, hey, feels like Hunter Biden's getting a sweetheart deal. This doesn't feel like actual justice. Biden was asked after his affirmative action comments about whether this was uh, this Supreme Court. Let me just play the audio. He's asked a question. I want you to hear it. I want you to hear his response. Is this a rogue court? This is not a normal court. Okay, if you had trouble hearing that, he was asked, is this a rogue court? And then he said, this is not a normal court. But they are setting the table to pack the court and add more justices. But that's a direct attack upon the independence of the judiciary, which Mayor Garland just said was unacceptable. Yep. There's there's really no particularly um, stable and consistent arguments that you'll hear in favor of, of keeping they the, the left has decided they like this. Uh, they like this process of affirmative action and college admissions. It makes them feel good about themselves to support it. And particularly the Democrat elites who espouse this stuff, their attitude is always, as long as my kids get into great schools through whatever means necessary, sure, affirmative action is is fine with me. So, I, I, but I do believe this is going to create, uh, there'll be more things that now have to be, uh, visited. I, th- I think now you have to, and on what basis can you have, constitutionally speaking, uh, racial preferences in hiring? I mean, if you can't have it in college admissions, how can you have it in hiring? It'll be more difficult in private employers to analyze it, um, because Harvard's a private, private Harvard's a private institution. Well, but they take a lot of federal funds. Yeah. So I think that's part of the way that they tie that in. Now, your point, I think, which is a hundred percent true, this to me would destroy the idea. Let's say that you are out there and you're making a, uh, you're, you're doing a new road and the road has to be 20% completed by minority owned businesses, right? 
how is that justifiable when it is federal taxpayer dollars that are paying for an interstate? Yeah. I would think the same logic would apply here as would apply, meaning to the colleges and universities, as would apply to uh, that. And, and by the way, Buck, that's a total sham a lot of times because people will just put a minority at the top of the uh, of the of the ledger and then they'll get that minority contract even though a lot of times this is behind the you know how these construction businesses work a lot of times it's not actually anything different right it's it's the yeah. same subcontractors and contractors that are doing the work look i i think that it's a, it's a great day for the constitution and the rule of law in this country but i think it's also just the beginning of more that has to come for this to be for the for the equal protection of the law to be meaningful this notion that institutions can treat people differently based on skin color, privileging some at the expense of others, um, this is wrong, and it has to be dealt with. And we have to erase this from our society. The same way that people would view racial discrimination of the past as wrong, and obviously that is true, racial discrimination in the present is wrong. And, and I would suggest this also, Buck, is a huge opportunity for Republicans to reach out to Asian voters. You saw this happen with Lee Zeldin in the New York uh, election. Um I think that a lot of Asian voters, because they believe in the meritocracy, are natural Republican voters. They just haven't realized it yet. And I think mm. this is an example of how you reach mm. out to them. We've been making that. There's a lot of arguments been made like that for a long time. I don't I mean, I don't think this is going to move the needle with Asian voters particularly, but we'll see. It does at the state and local you, level. You are, such a, you are such a pessimist. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> just... I, I gotta get you. I gotta get you to uh, to 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 buy into the uh, to the, the the destruction of identity politics. I really do think it's going to happen, Buck. I think in the next decade, the entire identity politics pyramid is going to collapse. Well, I think we're you're close. calling you're calling for the collapse of the Democrat Party there. So I'll remind you. Currently, of, I'll remind you of this. When we're in year three of the uh, Kamala administration. <laughs> oh, God, forbid. now I'm really being pessimistic. I. Fourth, I don't know if I can do three years of Kamala. Fourth uh, of July weekend means lots of family gatherings, barbecues. But if you're lucky, it also means downtime, either to relax or get a few projects done. One project a lot of you put off, digitizing old media from back in the day. If you've got a box full of family videos from the 80s or the 90s, it's time to preserve them because those tapes, they're not going to last forever. The magnetic strip, do you know it disintegrates with time? A lot of people have forgotten that. You might not even have a VCR in your house to watch those old tapes. Why not go ahead and take care of these long-term memories with Legacy Box? They're a company based in Tennessee. They've got the technology, the gear, and an expertly trained staff. You ship them your tapes, and boom, they come back preserved forever digitally. Right now, they have a special offer. 66% off their regular price, just $9 per videotape. It's easy to do. Go online to LegacyBox.com slash Clay to shop their $9 tape sale. That's LegacyBox.com slash Clay to get a $9 per videotape sale price. Clay and Buck, 24. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty show to start listening hi i'm michael rapaport and i'm kibi rapaport and together we're hosting rapaport's, rapaport's reality, reality podcast, podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the Play Inbox. Just to let you know, in the next hour, we're going to talk about this, uh, this case up in New York City where a uh, guy who defended himself on the train was released um, uh, from no more charges have been dropped, basically. Uh, and and we'll give you the details on that story. It's interesting because a lot of people are drawing parallels to the Daniel Penny story and wondering, well, why is one of these outcomes so different already? Uh, someone who is uh, threatened by someone and, now, we'll, we'll get into the details of it. I won't get into all the details right this second. We'll get to it, though, coming up here in just a minute. Now, we have, who is on the lines? Jane in Emerald Isle, North Carolina. Two kids in college. What's going on, Jane? And one is a volunteer. Well, I have two kids in college, and the reality is this. The college never makes the student. The student makes the college. And your skin color, your sexual preference, your religion... That's not the issue. It's what the student brings to the table. I mean, I think that's true at any at any of these institutions. It's what someone makes of it. I knew plenty of people that went to the fanciest, most elite schools who used it as a bong and beer session for four years and graduated and wondered why everybody wasn't so impressed. I know other people, Clay, that went to two-year college or, then, or, or a community college, and then they maybe got into another program to specialize in and all of a sudden you know they own like 10 businesses and i've got 150 employees yeah sometimes people use getting to a good college as if it's the end i think that's good advice that you need to give to kids out there okay congratulations you got into a good college you're not done right that's just really the start of your adult life and 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 a lot of people miss that i gave a, a an impromptu speech a long time ago at my high school 
uh, I was this before I was even working in media. I was still the CIA at the time, but they asked me to come and talk to the outgoing senior class, and it was uh, fall of the of their graduation year. And I said, "Look, you guys have great grades. You're going to great schools. Fantastic. So do a lot of other people. Every awesome job that you want that you're going to apply for, there are going to be fifty to a hundred other people with excellent credentials that want that job, and thousands of other people that would love that job if they could have it. So it takes a lot more than just you know. Well, I have a four point." Three and you know, I was also. I I thought it's a four point system. This is one thing. I don't know how it was in others. We had a four point system. Like people say, oh, I had a five point five GPA or something. I'm like, well, what is this? I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know what that is all about. That's why they had to put in place standardized testing because everybody had all these different GPA standards and and it's not all equal. Art in uh, Taylor, Texas. What's up, Art? Hey, not much, guys. Uh, Clay, I agreed with your assessment uh, on your opening monologue about 90% of it. The other 10%, when you said at some point, there still has to be some socioeconomic or race taken into consideration, just not checking the box on the front page. No, um, yeah, look, so I, let me explain I, that. I, 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 think, that. I, I think that merit, part of merit is not only looking at who can rise to the highest level, it's considering what you've overcome. And to me, if you are in that bottom 10% of income and you have risen to the point where you are in the mix. I also think, and I don't know about you, Buck, a lot of these schools, the kids that go to Harvard and Yale, they don't have a real idea of what it's like to not be rich. Like, they are overwhelmingly filled with the kids of the super rich. So, yeah, I understand some people disagree. I think socioeconomic diversity is more important by far than racial diversity because a a rich black kid who's got parents who are doctors and lawyers – is no different than, in my opinion, a rich white kid with the same background. You're proposing making up for the deficiencies of the education system between the grades of K through 12. We're going to we're going to make it all up when they enter college. Now, now your your argument is a great point for school choice because if these kids, even though they come from a poor background or maybe not a family that's supporting education, if they had school choice, i.e., as one example, uh, they they wouldn't. You wouldn't need to use socioeconomic issues. It's a, it's a great point, Art. And this, this ties in with Buck's point. You know who really favors school choice? Rich people. <laughs> there, If you're wealthy enough to put your... I'm fortunate to do it. I'm fortunate. My kids went to public school for most of their... For K through 6. I've got kids now in private school. If you're wealthy enough to put your kids in private school, those rich Democrats in Congress who are opposed to school choice... They don't oppose it in their own life. They are just opposed to people having school choice who don't have the same economic resources as them. Patricia from Dayton, Ohio. want to get you in here. What's up, Patricia? Oh, maybe Patricia doesn't want to weigh in. Okay. No, I do. Oh, I, there I we just go. had some static. Uh, I'd like to address the other side of the coin uh, that you actually did for me, and that was a conversation that I heard uh, on Russia's program from Thomas Sowell when he was talking about the individual who is the recipient of uh, affirmative action and the destruction that this does for these young people that come in and they don't have the background to compete and they leave school they are not successful when if and Thomas Sowell's point was if they had been allowed or sent to a community college or a college within their state that had the the curriculum that they could handle yeah the skills mismatch i remember thomas soul's written about it many times 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.